reading this morning is from uh, Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 24 to verse 31. It's page number 4 in our Pew Bibles or Church Bibles. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God said, it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over the, all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the creatures that move um, across the ground and the birds of the air. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. The second reading is taken from Colossians, chapter 1, starting at verse 15 and finishing at verse 20. The Supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jean, and thank you, Sally. Uh, So this term at Emmanuel is all about how we grow together uh, as we launch our small groups and pods this morning, as we celebrate various of the things that are going on in the life of the church. Uh, And as we think about how we grow together, we're starting today a new sermon series in Genesis, which we're going to work through over the next few weeks, learning about who we are uh, and about what it means to be human. And in the opening chapters of Genesis, we learn about marriage and singleness. Uh, We learn about conflict and purpose and meaning. They're questions at the core of who we are and why we are here. And today's a bit of a taster of some of the themes coming up over the next few weeks in Genesis 1. Uh, Particularly this morning, looking at a much used but little understood phrase. What does it mean for us to be made in the image of God? Uh, And we see here three aspects I want to highlight about what it means to be made in the image of God, of how we're made, that go beyond just revealing our value, which is often how we use the phrase, uh, and actually show us our purpose. Uh, And that's what being in the image of God is really all about. So don't get too hung up about whether the seven days are meant to be literal or not, or creation or evolution, that Genesis 1's not trying to make scientific points. That's not what it's speaking to. It's poetic language. And it's talking about who created us and why, not how he did it or when. What are we here for? Let's look together at these words and see how we find our purpose. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? And the first thing is that we're made in the image of God to reflect what God is like. And for this, we have to understand what an image actually did. We don't have... to a temple there'd be a shrine or a statue of the god in the center or at the end of the temple Uh, and the the image or the idol revealed what the god was like it represented the god when you bowed down in a temple you bowed down to the image of the god that was in front of you and so for someone in the ancient world the mean the primary meaning of the phrase image of god was really That's how people know what God is like. My friends, that is our purpose, to show what God is like. That's what we were created for, to reflect our creator. We're made in the image of God to reflect what he is like. Uh, And that's very different from every other culture surrounding ancient Israel. Uh, In Egypt, it was Pharaoh who was described as the living image of God very similar words, living image of God. But in Egypt, it was only Pharaoh 
who was the living image of God, not any of the other people, none of the uh, farmers, none of the peasants, none of the slaves, none of the um, nobody else, just Pharaoh. Similarly, in, in Hittite or Sumerian or Akkadian texts, it's the king who's God's representative. The king shows what God is like. None of us lot down below. Not so in Genesis. Here in Genesis 1, we read that we are all in the image of God. We're all of us equal in value, and we're all equally created with the highest of purposes to reflect what God is like. We're called to reflect God's character in all that we do. Uh, our identity as bearers of God's image, that's what gives us inherent value and purpose. And as we recognise God's image in others, it transforms how we see them as we honour their work. Uh, and this is true of all people, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, any religion, we're all made in the image of God. We're all made to show what God is like. It's just what it means to be human. But when we do trust in Jesus, when we enter into the new covenant, the people of God, it gets even better. Because Jesus is the truest image bearer. Did you pick it up in Colossians 1? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We're all made to image God, but you and I and every other human, we all fall short. We're broken images. We're not great reflections of what God is like quite often. We all fall short. But Jesus is the truest image bearer. As we come closer to him, we image him better. We don't live up to it. We're broken images. We only imperfectly reflect God's glory, but not Jesus. Jesus, fully human and fully God, perfectly images the invisible God, perfectly shows us what God is like. He's the only human who's ever done that, the only human who's truly revealed God, perfect in love and grace and purity. And so when we become Christians, you and I, when we trust in Jesus, we receive his Holy Spirit to live within us, the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit begins to transform us into his likeness. Uh, and that's what holiness is, as we reflect more and more the beauty of the God who is so different from us, who's perfect. And we who are broken images begin to get mended and we begin to, begin to better reflect the beauty of Jesus, the one in whose image we are created. And that means that it's only through Jesus that we're able to actually fulfill our purpose to look like God. We were created for connection with him. He's the source of it all. We are in his image. That's why we exist, to reflect his love to the world. But by ourselves, we don't do a great job of doing it. It's only as we receive his love and we're transformed into his image that we actually become more fully human. We fulfill our purpose. As we receive his grace, we're transformed and enabled to better reflect him to others. So that's the first thing. We're created in God's image to reflect and represent God. Uh, secondly, we're created in God's image as relational beings. Did you notice the plural? Let us make mankind in our image. Plural. A male and female, he created them. He doesn't just make a single person. He makes us together, both genders, multiple people. And uh, notice his command to Adam and Eve, increase and fill the earth, reproduce, make more humans. This is the image of God, because our God is three persons in an eternal relationship of love. And God created the world out of this overflow of love. It's one of the beauties of God as Trinity. Before the creation of the world, God wasn't lonely. 
He wasn't bored. He was perfectly fulfilled, perfectly loving, Father loving the Son, loving the Spirit, loving the Father. And it's out of that overflow of love that God creates us. The same way that when a couple love each other and they want to share that love, they bring children into that relationship as an overflow of their love. That's why children should be brought into the world. That's why God made the world, to share his love with us. And it's one of these places in scripture where the author wrote better than they knew. The Hebrew author of Genesis 1 didn't know about the Trinity. He hadn't heard of Jesus. He was a bit fuzzy on how the Holy Spirit worked. But the Spirit inspires him to write us, let, God, let, let, us, let us make mankind in our image. Now, whether he thought he was using the royal we or whether he was thinking of kind of the angels and the divine court, uh, it's one of those places where the Spirit guided him to write better than he knew. Because here we see a, a point, a signpost to the Trinity, because we know, as he's revealed in the New Testament, that God is three persons. We're made in his image as relational beings, because he's a relational God. And what that means is that we need one another. It's core to who we are as human beings. Uh, it means we need both genders, male and female, to image God. If you just have men or just have women, we don't reflect what God's like as well as we do when we have both of us. Uh, we need other people. It's not good for the man to be alone. We're good for each other. And we see something here of the inherent goodness of gender. It's not an accident that we're made male or female. It's not irrelevant. It's part of who we are as people in God's image. And that's why sexism is such a gross sin, because when we allow sexist structures or act in sexist ways, we deny something of God's image. We're made equal and equally valuable and equally necessary. Uh, and it, we also see here this creation mandate to fill the earth, go, reproduce, multiply. And perhaps our most important work as the human race is raising the next generation. Uh, there's no easy answers about how to raise kids well. It's one of those hardest and most demanding tasks any of us are entrusted with. But it's also our greatest privilege, isn't it? Uh, and it's for all of us, whether you've got biological children, whether you've got spiritual children. We're all in the people of God, entrusted with raising the next generation and passing on God's love to them. Uh, my godfather never had children, but he's been an enormous influence in my life. Uh, and so this is for all of us, whether we have biological children or not. We're all given this creation mandate to, to fill the earth, to invest in the next generation. And we need to reflect that in the church, don't we? It's in a healthy church. We, families need singles to help invest in kids and share that demanding task. Singles need families to invite them into their life and share with them in the life of the community. We need one another. Uh, and often in churches, we haven't been very good at doing that. The church should be a prophetic sign to the world where all of us, whatever our background, whatever our stage, whatever our family situation, equally belong and equally play our part. Uh, often the church, particularly in this country, we've idolised marriage and we've not been a place that's honoured those who are called to singleness. And that's something the ch church as a whole needs to get a lot better at, isn't it? Uh, we're not created alone. We're created together. We're created male and female because being human is relational. Because God's not solitary. He is Trinity, one God, three persons. And that means that we can't find our purpose, we can't find fulfilment or meaning alone. We will need one another. That's, that's why the story of the Bible, it starts with a garden, but it ends with a city. The end of the Bible is not the same as the beginning. It gets better. Uh, and the city speaks to all of human creativity and energy and community. Uh, the perfect garden in Eden, the perfect city in heaven. Our future is not disembodied 
alone floating in the clouds. It's the pinnacle of human creativity and community, the perfect city. So we're in God's image to reflect him, and we're in God's image to relate to one another. Uh, and there's a third aspect to what it means to be in the image of God. I, I'm not going to speak to it today, I'll speak to it next week, but just to signpost it. It's to rule. Did you see it in verse 26? Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over all creation. And we'll think next week about what that means for our lives as we work, and whether that's paid work or unpaid work. We're all created to express God's rule over the world for the good of all creation. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll think about that next week. But today there's one, one last and really crucial point to, to make before we pray, uh, which is that we don't live in Eden anymore. We were created in God's image to reflect him. We were created in God's image to relate to one another. But we don't live in Genesis 1, do we? We live in Genesis 3, after the fall, where work is hard, where relationships are strained, where we don't perfectly reflect God's, God's image, where things go wrong, have gone wrong and will continue to go wrong. And we know that, don't we, with all of the pain that we face in our lives. Some of us, it's illness or disease or physical infirmity. Uh, others of us, it's, it's relational breakdown, it's family members struggling, uh, anxiety or fear or our weakness. We face so much hardship this side of heaven because we don't live in Eden. And that's an encouragement to us because we should expect things to go wrong. We should expect life to be hard because we know that the world has been broken by humanity's rebellion against God. And the good news is that the story of the Bible is how God takes us from that mess in Genesis 3 when humanity break God's perfect world. And God takes us from the mess of Genesis 3 through the cross and the resurrection to the glorious eternal city in Revelation 22 where we will be with him forever and there'll be no more mourning or sickness or crying or pain for the old order of things will pass away. How does God do that? How does he rescue us from the pain and brokenness of this world to the perfect new creation? He does it through Jesus. Jesus restores what sin and Satan have wrecked. Jesus only, the image of the invisible God, shows us what it is to be perfectly human. Humanity as we should have been. Jesus, the perfect human, the only one who never deserved any judgment dies for our sin in my place and yours, takes the punishment that we deserve for our wrongdoing, rises to new life, restores us to relationship with God, to relationship with one another, restores our relationship to all creation. It is only through Jesus that we are able to become what we were born to be, freed to better reflect the image of God, reconciled to relate to him and one another, transformed to love one another and rule God's creation. And at Emmanuel, we sum all of that up as our, our purpose. We say we, we exist to know Jesus better and to make him better known. That's why we are here, those two things. That's why we're created. It's what it means to be in the image of God, to know him better, to reflect his image, to love one another, to rule creation, to make him better known. And that's ultimately the reason that we're launching our small groups and our pods today, because we need one another. We're made for community. We can't do it alone. We won't fulfill that purpose individually. We all need others supporting us and challenging us and encouraging us to help us to know Jesus better, to help us to be conformed to his image so that we can reflect him, to help orient us outwards and equip us for our life in the world, making him better known.
Uh, and Sundays are a great part of, why, of how we do that. That's why we gather together now, to know him better, to make him better known. But Sundays aren't sufficient, because there's, there's just too many of us. We've done a good job of multiplying, and now there's so many of us. We need smaller groups where we can know and be known. Uh, so this morning, can I encourage you, after church, grab some soup, grab a roll, grab tea or coffee. Uh, and would you spend some time chatting to others, perhaps come round and meet our small group leaders, perhaps come to the front and chat to Dwayne or Claire about forming a pod. But let's be really intentional this year about who it is that we will commit to meeting together with, to praying with, to opening the scriptures with. Who is it that we're going to walk with this year to be intentional about helping us to follow Jesus? This is why we were made. We will need each other to do it. Uh, you might meet a small group leader that you like, you might join a small group, you might decide to form a pod with a couple of others. But if we want to fulfil our purpose of reflecting God's image, we will need one another. We are made for relationship, and this is how we do it, this is how we grow. We grow together into our purpose, which is reflecting the image of God to a broken world. Uh, so shall we stand together and pray as the band come back up, and let's go ask God... <laughs> for his Holy Spirit to help us to do that. You might like to hold out your hands, which is just a, a posture of receptivity because we are expectant that as we come to the Lord Jesus, he will strengthen us, he will equip us, he will make us more like him. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and with power? Would you... Help us to reflect your image, to look more like Jesus. This year, would we know your love more? And as you make us more like you, would you transform our relationships that we might relate as you relate in grace and compassion so that we might make you better known in this world? Send your Holy Spirit on us, we pray, that we might know you better this year. Come, Holy Spirit. as we take a moment in quiet, just be attentive to anything the Lord might want to say to you or to do in you. He might whisper in that small, quiet voice. He might just fill you afresh with his strength or his peace or his love. The Lord is here to meet with each one of us. And so we just say in the quiet of our hearts, yes, Lord. Whatever you want to say, Lord, the answer is yes. Whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm open to it. Would you lead me closer to you?